This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Talks about hockey because the season is finally almost upon us. Uh, we are recording on a Tuesday. The Golden Knights season gets started on Thursday, but the NHL season as a whole gets rolling with a triple header Wednesday. Uh, I am Ben Goats of the Las Vegas Review Journal, and I am so excited and joining me on the other line, as always, is my colleague, Dave Shane. Dave, are you ready to drop some pucks? Heck yeah. And counting this down, let's do it. I almost wish they would start Wednesday instead of Thursday, right? Got to wait an extra day. I know. It's kind of lame to wait the extra 24 hours, but we'll we'll try to uh, get through it uh, on this podcast. Of course, we will be getting you guys prepared for that Golden Knight season opener against the Anaheim Ducks. We're going to go through some of the roster moves the team has made so far to get a salary cap compliant. We don't have the full picture of those movies yet, but we'll discuss the highlights as it were. And then we're going to go do a little division preview at the end, because uh, for those of you that have been paying attention and listening to us, you know that the Knights are only playing against the uh, newly formed West division this season. So we're going to go through all those teams because uh, once you know those seven teams, you know, literally every Knights opponent during the regular season and the first two rounds of the playoffs. Uh, But before we get started, I want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge podcast is presented by Blue Wire Hustle. Uh, Also, make sure to check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com. Tomorrow is one of my favorite days of the year. That is Wednesday morning because our special section is coming out. And uh, Dave and I certainly worked really hard on that during training camp. We got 40 pages exclusively of Golden Knights content for all you guys to consume before puck drop on Thursday. So I really hope uh, you check that out. Um, And also, as always, if you could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcast, please do to this one. We would very much appreciate it. Um, Well, because that opener is in sight, uh, training camp is basically already over. Uh, Even today, uh, the Knights practiced in basically just one group there is still some extra participants in that group because of course they're gonna have the taxi squad this year and there's still some last minute roster finagling that they're gonna do today but they're pretty much uh down to it and about to you know get into uh nhl action obviously uh camp flew by in a hurry because they did not have a lot of practices on the docket they also had uh two closed door scrimmages at t-mobile arena um and now they are almost ready to roll. So some of the roster moves we hinted at that took place. Uh, one of them, of course, 
uh, was Nick Holden was waived yesterday, Monday, for salary cap purposes, and then he cleared waivers today, so he will stay in uh, the organization. Uh, Nick Holden uh, waiving him will save the Knights approximately you know, 1.1-ish million dollars against the salary cap this season. The Knights also waived a host of other players, uh, including defenseman Carl Dahlstrom, who was acquired in the Paul Stasny trade uh, with the Winnipeg Jets. So for now, you know, like I said, we'll see what uh, the final roster moves end up being like. But those two moves, theoretically, Dave, should get the Knights under the salary cap ceiling uh, albeit by kind of the slimmest of margins. Yeah. And I think, so we'll see with Alex Tuck and I don't necessarily want to get into a conversation about long-term IR and how that works in your pool and how you want to get as close to the 81.5 million before you put somebody on long-term IR to maximize it. Uh, that might be a moot point. Alex Tuck, apparently according to Pete DeBoer, skated today before practice on his own is expected to join the full practice tomorrow. So I guess the notion of him joining long-term IR seems to be remote at this point. What you can kind of do with some basic math on the fun websites, Puckpedia or cap friendly is, is another great one. Those, you know, the folks that run both of those sites do an excellent job, but you can put together a roster and you can take, you know, the 12 NHL forwards that you would imagine, you know, the top six that everybody knows, you know, if you have a third line of tuck glass, wah, the fourth line, you know, the meat grinders with Carrier, Reeves, Nosick. And if you have defense pair of, you know, your top four, Petrangelo McNabb, Mar- Martinez, Theodore. And then if you have the white cloud, Hague pairing with the two goalies, at least the, the the math that I do, you you can you can get under that cap like that gets you there. So if that's where they're going to end up, and that's the Thursday roster, you know, then then that's cap compliant. And Nick Holden goes to the taxi squad and becomes you know good depth for them. But I mean, I guess in a way, kudos to the to the analytics department and the folks who do the cap. Uh, George McPhee says he's got a guy for that, which I always think is funny, but. You know, when you think about where they were at and and obviously the moves that they had to make, you know, Schmidt being traded, Stassi being traded, but to be able to bring in Petrangelo, keep the two goalies, you know, be where they are and only have to essentially wave Nick Holden and, and get him through waivers. You know, I'm sure that's the dream scenario that Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee pretty much drew up. Yeah, it keeps Nick Holden around for, as you said, that good depth. And just for those that are unfamiliar with how the waiver process works, uh, when the Knights do something like wave a guy uh, like Nick Holden, they did that with a ton of guys yesterday. Like I said, uh, you know, Carl Dahlstrom was another one. Even Oscar Dansk had to go on waivers um, before being, you know, theoretically sent to the taxi squad, as we would expect. It basically means is that anyone else in the NHL can go look at a player that's on waivers and uh, put in a claim and they could theoretically you know, take on that player's contract and that player if they want to. So anyone in the NHL, uh, you know, by uh, it was 9 a.m. Pacific time this morning uh, could have phoned into the NHL and said, we want to make a claim for Nick Holden. And if, you know, they were the only team to make that claim or if they had the worst record uh, to make that claim, they would have been able to uh, get Nick Holden and his uh, two year three point four million dollar contract 
uh, at no cost, the Knights would have gotten nothing back for Nick Holden. There's, there's technically there's a cost to, I believe, making and succeeding in making a claim. But the Knights get none of that, essentially. Um, so Nick Holden was offered to kind of everyone for free, I think, because of the obviously unique situation that he and a lot of players and a lot of teams are in this year with the cap being flat. It was a tough ask, I guess, for a team to take on his one point seven million dollar contract kind of at the last minute, both this year. And then, of course, you also would have to factor in all of a sudden his one point seven million dollar uh, cap hit next year into your future plans as well. So no team apparently wanted to kind of make that strong of a pivot kind of at the last second, just a couple of days uh, before the season opened. I uh, should also mention that the waiver market was flooded like never before yesterday because there are so many teams like the Knights that are trying to get cap compliant. So I believe it was somewhere around the you know nature of 140 players were placed on waivers yesterday, which obviously this time of year, a lot of guys get placed on waivers just because it's the natural kind of roster trimming and older guys that you want to send to the AHL typically do have to go through waivers, but more so than any other year, this year featured a lot of teams kind of trying to slip veterans through just because they wanted to, uh, you know, save a little bit of extra money under the cap or, you know, sneak a cheaper player onto the roster. Um, now Nick Holden's salary doesn't totally come off the books. As I kind of said earlier, there's a rule, uh, in place in the CBA that prevents teams from quote unquote, burying contracts in the minors. That means you can't send a guy to the minors and just kind of make his cap hit go away. So basically only the first, you know, uh, 1.1 ish million dollars of Nick Holden's cap hit go away. He still counts approximately $625,000 against the night's salary cap, even when he is on uh, the taxi squad or if he theoretically uh, gets sent to uh, Henderson, but I think both of us anticipate because he's obviously, I mean, he's 33 years old. He's a veteran guy. I think we would both anticipate uh, if he indeed does not, you know, get called back up to the NHL roster at any time um, soon, you know, mainly because of cap reasons that he would be on that taxi squad. And then, as you said, Dave, that would, you know, if that ends up shaking out, that means Nick Haig would be the, uh, six defensemen potentially to start the season and potentially he could get paired uh, with his old AHL partner, uh, Zach Whitecloud, which would be um, an interesting tandem. Um, and then also the situation worth monitoring with all of that, as you mentioned, is Alex Tuck, who's day to day with an undisclosed injury. Um, if he if that injury were to turn out to be significant, the Knights could theoretically get cap relief with, as Dave mentioned, kind of the long-term injured reserve designation. Uh, but Pete DeBoer said Tuck is expected to uh, practice tomorrow, Wednesday, the day before the opener, which, you know, certainly makes it sound like that kind of uh, cap loophole might not be used. So that was a huge download of kind of what we know about the state of the roster entering, uh, you know, the kind of final uh days before the opener. Um, but now that we're kind of looking back at camp and not looking forward, Dave, are there any other, I guess, big thoughts, big impressions that uh, stick out to you now before we completely turn the page to the season? Well, I mean, I think some of the fringe guys and, you know, the guys like Dylan Coughlin 
who have stuck around seem to have made an impression. And even if it's as, you know, an eighth defenseman, I, I think it says where he's at in, in his development and how far he's come. I mean, to be right, to be very frank, I mean, I've said this before, I, I, you know, I don't know what you can tell from guys doing drills. And I know people like us to read into a lot of things and know, you know, give us your opinion and how does he look and whatever. And I always say like, well, you know, unless it's obvious or one way or the other, it's hard to tell. Tomas Yurko was really good. And even dopey me could point him out in the group and in scrimmages and whatever and say, whoa, that guy's flashing. And for him to be at least today in practice in Alex Tuck's spot, potentially a guy that, you know, has made the taxi squad or I guess if Alex Tuck maybe can't go, but, you know, they have to do some more, you know, roster finagling and cap gymnastics and, and all that sort of stuff here. You know, Tomas Jerko appears to be in line to be the guy to go. It's just kind of interesting that they were able to take a guy essentially off the scrap heap, you know, somebody who's been hurt, you know, the last couple of years and really hasn't been able to make an impact, you know, and, and found him, signed him to a contract and maybe, you know, are able to squeeze some productivity out of him too. We'll see. He certainly has some jump. He's a guy that, you know, has, has got pedigree. I think he was a second round pick. He's, you know, kind of been around the NHL. He's been given some chances and, and never really been healthy. That's sort of the, the big thing holding him back, especially the last couple of years. So as he told, told us the other day, he, he seems to be healthy, says he's good to go. Uh, we'll see. I mean, maybe, maybe they've got a, you know, I hate to, you know, maybe make this comparison. It's like a, a potentially a European Brandon Peary here where, where he comes in and if he gets a hot stick, he seems like that type of guy, I guess. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Tomas Yurko for yeah, people that are not familiar was kind of an yeah, under the radar signing uh, by the Knights for kind of organizational depth. Uh, he's 28 years old, uh, left shot winger. As Dave said, he was a second round pick back in 2011. And he's a guy who uh, Pete DeBoer talked about today because uh, he was filling in on the third line in practice uh, in place of Alex Tuck. So he was on the left wing uh, with Cody Glass and Nicholas Waugh. Um, and Pete DeBoer said basically like you can't teach the skills that this guy has. And he's been given, you know, quite a few NHL opportunities. He's played 213 career games, uh, scored 52 points uh, out of those points, 22 our goals. So, I mean, he has produced in the past with uh, a number of different teams. He's played for the Red Wings. He's played for the Blackhawks. He's played for uh, the Oilers. He got in 12 games with the Oilers uh, last year. So, you know, as Dave mentioned, it's kind of a, you know, good thing to have where they have maybe kind of a, an NHL ready ish, you know, ready guy, a guy with NHL experience that has some pop to his game. Uh, that they, you know, maybe aren't afraid to uh, plug into kind of more of a scoring role uh, right away. They've got a lot of, you know, depth guys like Gage Queenie, Keegan Coles, or even Patrick Brown that can fill in kind of, you know, the bottom six ish in a non-scoring role. But obviously we talked about last week how they want to give, you know, Cody Glass, it seems, a real look at third line center. Well, you don't necessarily want him playing with the the Gage Quinnies and Keegan Colasars of the world. Do you want Cody Glass uh, to play with guys that he has an opportunity to produce points with? And uh, Tomas Yurko seems to fit that bill. So we'll see 
uh, where, you know, it all ends up going for him because, you know, as we mentioned earlier, maybe Alex Tuck just returns to practice tomorrow and Yurko just goes to the taxi squad. But it certainly seems like they've been intrigued uh, by what he's brought so far, Dave. And he's a guy that definitely uh, caught my eye as well, because you mentioned that he has caught yours. Uh, well, with the camp kind of in our rear view mirror, I think it's now time to look forward to the opener and the rest of the season. As a reminder, the Knights are playing 56 games this season in 116 days. They are playing each of their seven division opponents eight times, starting with their season opener at 7 p.m. Thursday at T-Mobile Arena against the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, fans, unfortunately, are not allowed to attend. Uh, as a reminder, the teams in the Knights West Division this year uh, are Anaheim, Arizona, Colorado, Los Angeles, Minnesota, San Jose, and St. Louis. Um, and as I mentioned off the top, because those are the only teams the Knights are playing, I thought it would be a good idea to uh, start talking about them uh, right here before the season gets started. We talked about all these teams before when we kind of previewed the entire NHL, but now I want to do a deeper dive specifically on these teams. So I pulled the over under win totals for each of these teams uh, from betonline.com. And I thought uh, Dave and I could uh, pick each over under to kind of give our thoughts on each team and where they're at entering the year. Uh, keep in mind before we get started that one, we're going to do these picks purely for entertainment purposes. And if you want to hold on to your money, don't use our picks because they're probably going to be really bad. Uh, and two, all these totals are, of course, over a 56 game season. So they're going to be smaller than normal. Uh, I'll provide the kind of 82 game equivalent for each team as we get going. But, uh, you know, just so you know, when you hear kind of really low over under totals, just remember, you kind of got to prorate them because they're only playing 56 games instead of 82. All right, Dave, are you ready to get started? Let's do this. All right. So the first team <laughs> that we're going to talk about is the Los Angeles Kings. They have the lowest over under in the division at 52 and a half. That's roughly uh, 76 and a half for a uh, regular 82 game season. That is the fourth lowest total in the league ahead of only the Senators, Red Wings and Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, they were on a 75 win pace last year when they had the fourth worst record in the league. Uh, they ended up with a second overall pick and took center Quentin Byfield. Uh, Dave, what are your thoughts on this number and the Los Angeles Kings entering the season? So I think as we look at all of this, obviously it has to be taken with the sense of it's not even like a regular 82 game projection because that would be against, you know, four games in your division, three against, you know, the next from your conference and two from the other side. This is all of your division. And I feel like the Kings are going to get beat up. So like that 52 point, you know, like we're talking to that would be like 76 ish, 77 point projection in a normal season, which is right about where they were at. I think they're going to get beat up by the top this year and, and be under that. So, so I go under on the Kings. I go under as well uh, as I'm probably going to describe for a lot of teams as we move toward the top as well. I'm always of the opinion that if you can pick the worst team in a division, you go under. And if you can pick the best team in a division, you can probably go uh, 
over unless it's just a ridiculous number, which uh, in this case it might actually be. But with the Kings, I just think, uh, you know, they're bad. They haven't quite hit the upslope on their rebuild yet. And I think they're probably a team that's going to look to even sell off pieces if they can uh, before the trade deadline. So I go under on the Kings as well. Uh, next up is the Knights season opening opponent, the Anaheim Ducks. Their total is 55 and a half or, you know, approximately 81 in a regular 82 game season. That's the seventh lowest total in the league. Uh, this is a team without a whole lot of pop, Dave. And uh, we learned they're probably going to continue to be without pop for a while because one of their uh, top prospects, Trevor Zegras, does not sound like he's going to be on the opening night roster. He's coming off just a monster, monster tournament at the World uh, Junior Championship. Uh, he basically, you know, pushed Team USA to the gold. He had one of the best uh, performances at that tournament in its history. Uh, but it's, he's only 19 years old. It sounds like the ducks aren't necessarily going to uh, push him directly into the spotlight. He was the ninth overall pick in 2019. Uh, so while I get that, uh, it also uh, bums me out because I would like to discuss him when we're discussing this team. Okay. So I'm going to turn this into a college hockey conversation. He, he left BU, huh? I actually, yeah. I didn't realize he signed. He, uh, I believe, is in their camp right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. Top of my weird. head. I don't know. I'm all for kids going back to college. So, you know, like, ride it out. Like, you know, there's no rush. Like, what's he going to do for Anaheim? Is he going to all of a sudden elevate them, like, as good as he was in the World Juniors and whatever? Like, let the kid, you know, don't make him a savior. Like, that's not a very good team. I'm sorry. I'm going under on this, by the way, because... Other than John Gibson might win them, win them, win them some games. If I can spit that out, I just don't see anything like you said about this team that it would, that would excite me or, you know, make me think that they can compete in this division. Offensively. There's just, like you said, no pop. Uh, there's nothing. There's, there's no skill. There, there's just no game changers. Nobody that can take over at any point for them. And then defensively, unless they're just going to, bunker down and do the, you know, Jose Mourinho park the bus routine and the hockey version of that. I just don't, I, I don't see that. I actually think they're, and maybe I'm wrong here. I actually project them worse than the Kings, but you know, we'll see. Yeah. That's an interesting point. I'm going to go under on them as well. I don't know if they're quite as bad as the Kings just because there's, you know, so many guys on the Kings that I just don't know, you know, what their future is going to be moving forward. I mean, that's a team that obviously is going to turn over almost its entire roster. It feels like sooner rather than later because the Kings have one of the, you know, top rated farm systems in the game. Uh, I like Anaheim still because you mentioned John Gibson. I think, you know, a good goalie can just honestly cover up a whole lot. And uh, he actually didn't have that great of a year last year. So I'd kind of expect him to bounce back a little bit, uh, but I'm still going under because, yeah, I just don't know where the offense is coming from. And certainly the defense isn't uh, shut down enough to make up for that. Also, real uh, quick, I'm an idiot. Trevor Zegras signed in on March 27th, 2020. So well, there you go. So that's why he's in camp. Dummy Dave. That would explain it. Now we know uh, now tied with the Anaheim Ducks in terms of the over under. Uh, is the San Jose Sharks at 55 and a half. So uh, once again, a reminder, that's an 81 point uh, pace 
in an 82 game season. Uh, as you know, I'm sure Knights fans are well aware. The Sharks were in the Western Conference final in 2019 and then completely collapsed last season. Uh, they had the third worst record in the league. They were on a 74 point pace and they didn't even get a high first round pick out of it because they owed that pick to the Ottawa Senators. Uh, I think because the team had been really, really good for a long time, uh, many of those years under current Knights coach Pete DeBoer, a lot of people were kind of asking, okay, uh, is last year a fluke or is it a sign of things to come? And having that kind of be an open question. Well, this number certainly uh, indicates that odds makers thinks it's a sign to come because this is not a, a very optimistic projection, Dave. No, and maybe it maybe it's a reflection of the goaltending and, and where Martin Jones seems to be at in his career and sort of the resurrection job that if Jenny Nabokov has to do in net with him and, you know, Devin Dubnik is not exactly uh spring chicken, I guess you could say. Uh, so I don't know that there's a lot of confidence instilled in terms of the goaltending. So here's my thing though. I think they go over, but not by much. I think they're going to be slightly improved. I think there's too much talent and they were too decimated by injuries last year to have as bad of a season. That being said, I, I I don't see them being the team, you know, that they were a couple seasons ago. That's competing with the Knights and probably like Colorado in St. Louis for a division title this year. I, I think there is a gap. I think the odds makers are correct in, in terms of, you know, where they're at now versus where they had them projected last year. But I think they're going to be a little bit better. I think Eric Carlson's healthy. I think there's enough pieces there that that maybe they can, you know, do some damage against the bottom part of this division. You know, maybe hang around, compete for that fourth spot because I think the top three is pretty well settled. And then the middle, if you're talking about Arizona and Minnesota, that's not that daunting for, for a pretty talented Sharks roster. So I go over on them. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As a part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Ex 
acceptance into the program is limited. So get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. And that's bwhustle.com slash join. Yeah, I go over as well. I like you. I don't really have a lot of high expectations for this team, but I do expect it to bounce back a little bit. Um, like you mentioned, I mean, Eric Carlson has seemed to have, you know, just a ton of kind of injuries for them over the last two years. Uh, Tomas Hurdle got hurt for them. They're just a tricky team to figure out because they're very much kind of a stars and scrubs roster from my point of view, where you look at maybe like their top eight or so guys where you talk about Carlson Burns, uh, you know, hurdle couture, uh, even Evander Kane, though, obviously he seems to be going through some stuff right now. Um, and you're like, wow, those are really, you know, good players, good pieces to kind of have around. And then you look at like their bottom six and their bottom, uh, defensive pair. And as you mentioned, their goaltending and it's just blech. Uh, do not enjoy it at all. And I think you could certainly make the argument for the under that uh, depth and goaltending might be more important than ever this season with all of the kind of, you know, back to backs. And this is the team that has more back to backs than anyone uh, in the NHL uh, that that could really hurt them more than even in a normal season. Um, But I still think there's enough, you know, strong talent here to take the over. Uh, Next up is Arizona. Uh, their total is 59 and a half, which would be 87 in a normal regular season. Uh, now, that's the ninth lowest total in the league. So for those of you that have been paying attention uh, right now, the West Division has four of uh, Bet Online's 10 worst teams in the NHL in terms of projected win total. Uh, so starting off great out here in the West, uh, kind of like Anaheim, but I guess on a slightly elevated level. Uh, This is the team that lost, of course, uh, former MVP Taylor Hall uh, to the Buffalo Sabres in the offseason, which uh, once again for me means there's not much of anything to get excited about on this roster, uh, except for the goaltending, which should be pretty strong, Dave. Yeah, I kind of feel like you can take a lot of what I said about Anaheim and copy and paste for Arizona. I, I mean, they, you know, obviously Taylor Hall coming in, they sort of pushed a lot of chips into the middle and, you know, didn't even come close to, uh, to hitting their card on the river or whatever they needed. Uh, I, I just don't see who scores goals for them. And then, you know, the other thing too, is Ekman Larson had his whole off season, you know, I guess power struggler or whatever you want to call it, kind of a public trade, you know, merry-go-round with we'll go here or or we'll go here and that's it. And that's all you can do. And it hamstrung the new GM. I'm sure everything's settled and they've talked it all out. But the one thing I'll say is this team seems like a very Rick Tockett team of just go, 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 be gritty, forecheck the heck out of people, you know, and just just try to win 3-2 and, and make everything ugly. That's a Rick Tockett type team and, and game. They're going to play a lot of those, I think, this year. It might be tough. It's almost like, you know, in a weird way, it's like facing an option team in football. Like, you don't see it. There's a lot of these teams in the in the well, I'm going to call it the Pacific, the Honda West Division or whatever we got to call it, um, that are kind of go, go, go. The Knights, Colorado, even St. Louis can score, you know, 
And then you throw Arizona out there. That's just going to absolutely sit back and clog everything up. So maybe that works for him, but I, I don't know. There's just, like you said, nothing to get excited about. Maybe even less than, than Anna. I don't know. I, I don't, I'll be honest. I haven't studied their roster quite yet, but I just, I go under on them. I, I don't see it. I go under. Yeah. I go under on them as well. I get having them kind of higher than even Anaheim. Cause I at least, uh, in Anaheim is kind of all down to, uh, John Gibson and Arizona. At least it's kind of down to a tandem where, uh, Darcy Kemper has been excellent for them. And then they've got Auntie Ranta is a really good backup too. So they're going to get good goaltending. Uh, I think on almost every night, potentially where Anaheim, I'm less sure about the tandem there. And then I think the coyotes have slightly more kind of proven, NHL players, whereas Anaheim's still kind of waiting for its pro- its prospects like Zegras uh, to break into the NHL. That being said, I'm still just not very excited about the Coyotes and not that excited to, uh, you know, potentially watch them. So uh, they're an under for me. Uh, next up is uh, Minnesota. They are a uh, projected to uh, when they get 61 and a half uh, points. That would be 90 in a, a full regular season. They were on a 91 and a half uh, point pace approximately before the pause last season. Uh, they made it to Edmonton. They lost their playing round to the Vancouver Canucks, who, of course, ended up making it to the second round of playing the Golden Knights. Uh, Dave, where are you at on the uh, Minnesota Wild, one of the a new entrants to the Golden Knights division? I feel like I need to defer to you on this. I don't know why you're the expert. I don't, I, this is like the, the weird team that just nobody knows much about out here other than just, they always beat the Knights. I don't know. It's, it, it feels weird. I don't know what to make of them. The goaltending is a major, major, major question mark. And then they've kind of done some things up front. Bill Guerin's kind of in this weird purgatory of we're not rebuilding, but we definitely have to retool because what was going on here before was stagnant and wasn't working. And I get that he's, you know, kind of trying to drive the bus, get it going forward and, you know, out of the mud here a little bit. There's a lot of question marks. I don't, I, this is what the hard thing is. I I feel like I can't, can't go over. Like I have to go under on them. But I'm also looking at this going, I've picked a lot of unders, man. This is going to be like real top heavy here. So I don't know. I want to hear what you have to say. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll respond to it a little bit. I I, I say under on them, but with a, with a major question mark on my end. So I'm going with the over on Minnesota, which is shocking from uh, the Minnesota native, but I, <laughs> but I do think uh, one, as you talked about, the bottom of this division is projected to be so bad, potentially four of the 10 worst teams in the NHL. Then I think all the teams we're going to talk about after this are really, really good, where they're potentially three of the top 10 teams in the NHL. And Minnesota's just kind of stuck in the middle and probably really thrilled that they got put in this division uh, because we kind of touched on it when we kind of learned about the realignment. If Minnesota was in the reconfigured, like quote unquote central, I think they're fighting uh, tooth and nail for a playoff spot because I don't think they're that good. You know, they're going to be somewhere between, you know, the 13th and 18th best team in the NHL. Probably Um, they still got that 
excellent, excellent blue line uh, that I think is just really good and potentially even underrated. Uh, the goaltending, like you mentioned, has been a problem for them, but they got a uh, Cam Talbot from the Calgary Flames this offseason. And while I certainly don't think he's any sort of uh, savior or Vesna trophy candidate, I think just having potentially competence for them back there with how good that defensives could, you know, be very, very good for them. And then up front, as you mentioned, they're not a team. I think their center depth chart might be one of the worst in the NHL. They've just got nothing down the middle. Uh, but I think they've got some good wingers. They've got a uh, Kirill, Kirill Kaprizov, uh, whose name I'm probably mispronouncing, but he's uh, a Russian winger who, uh, after a very long saga, came over uh, to the NHL this year. Uh, all his comparables in terms of kind of his statistics in Russia compare to some of the better uh, players that have come over from there to play in the NHL, like a Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, so he's, I think, on the short list of you know Calder Trophy favorites for top rookie. They've got another really good wing in uh, Kevin Fiala. I certainly don't think the Wild are a great team, but I think they're an average one. And in this division, uh, being average means that I will take your over and project you to uh, make the playoffs. Okay, you convinced me. I was going to, I was thinking about it. I was like, I can't pick them over because I feel like maybe the Sharks are better. Nah, okay. All right, you got me. Okay, I'll go over with with Minnesota. I'm glad I could talk you into that. Well done. Good, good sell job. <laughs> like I said, I don't even feel like I feel strongly that they're an average team, which like I said, in this division, is good, but if they were in a different division, I think we'd be talking about them uh, very differently. Uh, but uh, the next three teams that we're going to talk about, I think we'd be excited to talk about uh, no matter what division they were in. Uh, you know, next up is St. Louis. Uh, their over under is 69 and a half, which is a, a 101.5 point pace in a normal regular season. That is tied uh, for the fifth highest total with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So uh betting line is very high on the St. Louis blues. Uh, for those unaware, they lost a very good defenseman this off season and Alex Petrangelo. Um, they replaced him with Tori Krug from the Boston Bruins, kind of a, a nifty uh, one for one swap there. Uh, they also lost their backup goaltender, Jake Allen this off season. He's now a Montreal Canadian. Um, and they replaced him with Ville Husso from uh, their AHL team. And then they also added uh, Mike Hoffman, who is kind of a goal scoring winger, was with the Florida Panthers. Doesn't play a lot of defense, but can fill the net and should probably help out their power play. Uh, Davis, the team that won the Stanley Cup two seasons ago and then got bounced uh, out of the first round of the bubble uh, last year. Uh, but this seems to be like a pretty, pretty high total for them. Yeah, it does. It does seem a little bit high, but I, I go over on them just because I think, again, as we've sort of talked about, I think it's going to be a top heavy division. I think they're going to feast on the bottom. And I think the additions that they that they brought in fill some of the holes for the most part. You know, Tory Krug is not necessarily like for like replacement in terms of Alex Petrangelo. You're losing the leadership and everything that Petrangelo brought to that franchise, but in terms of on the ice, Tory Krug and his ability to quarterback a power play and produce, make plays, 
keep an offense sort of running and all of that. And then you add Mike Hoffman in there, a guy who's a proven, you know, 25 to, to 30 goal scorer. I think they're, they're a quality team. They still have the experience from a couple of years ago of winning the cup, you know, all of that character, I guess you could say is still, you know, in that locker room. And as long as they continue to get goaltending from Bennington, I think they're going to be right there in the mix for with, you know, as we'll talk about the Knights and in Colorado for whoever ends up winning this division. Yeah. So I think they're an excellent team. I think I'm going to go the slight under though, just because I don't quite know if I want to project them to have uh, that good of a season. I'm actually going to change my mind. I'm going to say that they're going to go over. Uh, I was trying to talk myself into taking the inner and I just can't do it. I think they're just, you know, as I said, these, these top three teams in this division, I think are just kind of in a class by themselves. So I just think the blues are actually going to be able to beat up on the weaker competition, uh, you know, too much and go over. Uh, next up of course is the golden Knights at 71 and a half which is a 104.5 point pace in a normal regular season. That is the third highest total in the NHL. Uh, but as listeners have probably guessed by now, only the second best in their own division. So uh, to repeat that, so it sinks in, the Knights have the third highest over-under in the entire NHL, but the second highest in their own division. That's how kind of top-heavy... The West is, which is crazy. Um, for reference, uh, when we talk about that, you know, 104.5 number being the 82 game equivalent, the Knights had 109 points in their inaugural season. Um, so, Dave, where do you come down on that number for them? Because it's pretty big. It is. It, that, that's a big number. I mean, in most cases, that would probably win the division. So, in our special section, we kind of went through the over-unders and did some fun sort of like Golden Knights props, players and things like that. Obviously, one of them was for the Knights and picking their total. So I went over, I actually predicted them to win the division. So I kind of have to, I guess, maintain some continuity here and be consistent, stick with that. I, I'm, there's obviously question marks in terms of just everybody else has is, is got to deal with COVID and the health and everything that's going to come along with this season and how unique it's going to be. But when you have the goaltending that they have, and I understand that the schedule maybe works out a little bit different than they thought, and they could probably get away with just Robin Leonard if they really were honest, you know, with, with everybody, but with the goaltending that they, that they have the ability to rotate as long as, you know, the, the main core Mark stone, Max Pacioretty, those guys, as long as they produce the way that they did last year, and then you add Alex Petrangelo to that mix, uh, you know, at least on paper, I don't know that they're the best team, but, you know, I, I give them in terms of the preparation advantage that Kelly McCrimmon has talked about and going into this season, the way that they played going into the bubble and kind of used that training camp and, and being able to implement everything from Pete DeBoer it lines up for them. We'll, we'll see if they can do it. Obviously this is all, you know, like, like our columnist at Granny wrote, it's all on paper. Uh, you know, to me, the major question mark is in the locker room and how this is all going to work, how this is all going to mesh in the personalities, the guys that are not there and the guys that are there now, how it's going to fit with sort of the culture that was established the first year. They're going to name a captain. It seems like at some point, but for me, I, I picked them to win the division. 
Yeah. Um, I'm with you in terms of taking the over. Once again, people can pick up uh, the special section in newsstands tomorrow to uh, confirm that we indeed, indeed made those same picks in print. Uh, I think the Knights are clearly one of the kind of handful of top favorites in the NHL this season, probably for sure one of the top five, uh, which obviously means that they should be right there for the division crown with the next team we're going to talk about. Uh, so I am taking the over on the Knights, which means that the, if that happens, it'll be a really impressive season. Um, and last but not least, uh, because they are tied for the highest total in the NHL with the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, is the Colorado Avalanche. And their total is 73 and a half which is the equivalent of 107.5, which I put an exclamation point in our outline because that's a really high total to start the season to have as a baseline uh, for a team entering the year. Uh, For reference, only one team would have hit this over in the 2018-19 season, the last full regular season that the NHL played, Uh, but five teams would have hit it in 2017-18, including, of course, the Golden Knights during their inaugural season. Uh, Dave, uh, I think we both think Colorado is going to be really, really good this year. Are they going to be that good? 107.5 points uh, over under good. Okay, so this is a podcast, so I guess this is where I get to make like jokes and and snarky remarks and things and say, well, if they trade for Marc-Andre Fleury, maybe they'll get there. I, you know, uh, but we'll see. I don't know. I I picked them under. That's just too high of a number. Like as good as they're going to be, I loved Pete DeBoer's comment about playing Colorado and Lake Tahoe and that he's glad it's not on the open lake because they wouldn't catch Nathan McKinnon. They're loaded. It's a phenomenal team. And I would totally expect them to be right there with the Knights, you know, and probably the Blues competing for the division. But I I mean, if we're talking about just straight bet, am I going to walk up to the window and what am I going to put my money down on that? I I can't, I can't say that they get to a hundred, you know, 108, point pace too high too high for me but you know i don't know maybe maybe they go out and get a goaltender maybe that changes i don't know just throwing it out there just saying i love just bringing up some controversy to get the season going uh i am going to agree with you once again so this is actually where i quick looked at our outline when i was talking about the st louis blues and why i quick shifted that over under to go over on the blues because I decided really quickly that no, I need to go under on the avalanche uh, because as you said, as a, you know, as a baseline, as a number that's really high. And it basically uh, allows them no margin for error during the regular season. I mean, you know, obviously if Nathan McKinnon uh, just gets crunched in the boards and needs to miss, you know, a handful of games, well then all of a sudden that total just becomes really, really hard because they uh, don't, Uh, have any room to kind of slip up and still hit the over there. Uh, Now, I certainly still uh, really, really like Colorado. Uh, I think that they are one of the best teams in the NHL and potentially the best team in the division. Uh, Dave said he picked the Knights to win the West. Uh, I actually picked the Avalanche in our uh, season preview section tomorrow. And I uh, actually picked the avalanche to do a lot more than that. If you want to read the full NHL preview that I did uh, for the print edition 
So as a reminder, please uh, check that out tomorrow in newsstands or just hopefully you're a subscriber to the Review Journal at this point. If not, uh, please hop on over and check that and all our written content out at ReviewJournal.com. Uh, as a reminder, the Golden Edge podcast is presented by Blue Wire Hustle. Uh, also, please, if you could uh, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do this one. We would very much appreciate it. Uh, hopefully that was a fun way for you guys to get a download on what's going on with the Golden Knights entering the regular season and get an idea of what's going on with some of their opponents. It should be a really fun season, you guys, and we're very much looking forward uh, to talking to you through it all. Uh, so let's get out of here and get cracking. Uh, for Dave Shane, I'm Ben Goats. We are the Golden Edge Podcast, and we'll talk to you guys again real soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.